This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. John's Gospel, chapter 17. John's Gospel, chapter 17. And we're going to be reading from verse 11 to verse 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And, as it, and it was so that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The title of the message tonight is The Blessing of Being Thankful. The Blessing of Being Thankful. Before the founding of modern medicine, hospital care facilities, leprosy was Indeed, an incurable, untreatable, loathsome, terminal disease. It was, in fact, a long, lingering death sentence. And with it came stigmatization, isolation, separation from family, from friends, from loved ones, from neighbors, from the whole community, from the populace at large. People lived in dread and fear of coming too close to a leper. The disease itself started with loss of feeling. The nerves underneath the skin would die and numbness would result. And that would proceed to the extremities of the body, the fingers, the toes, the nose, the ears. And then it would gradually come into the feet and the legs and the parts and the vital organs of the body. And so it literally was a long death sentence. And due to the numbness, accidents would happen. And because they couldn't feel anything, uh, they wouldn't even notice many times. Uh, and, and whether it would be a skull or a burn or a, a strike or whatever it may be, uh, then maybe infection would set in. And so all kinds of deformities uh, would ensue out of that. In the Bible days, the law of Moses would dictate that a leper would have to live outside the camp, as it were. And he would have to wear a cloth over his mouth and over his nose. Interestingly, that modern science has discovered 
they believe that leprosy often is spread by nasal droplets. And of course, that wasn't known in those days, but God caused them to put a, a veil over their mouth and over their nose. And so they would have to go through, if they were going near a village, they would have to shout, unclean, unclean, just to make sure that any non-lepers would not come uh, too close to them. Throughout the Bible, leprosy has ever been a symbol of sin. It's always been a symbol of sin. And just like leprosy is infected, man with leprosy is, inf man with leprosy is infected with an untreatable loathsome and curable disease, sin also is a long, lingering death sentence. The wages of sin is what? It's death, always death. And it is loathsome in the sight of a holy God. And like leprosy, sin stigmatizes and it deforms man who was made in God's image. It also brings about separation. It divides husbands and wives, parents and children and family members and neighbors and communities and sometimes even nations are divided. It causes men to become desensitized and insensitive to the hurts and to the pain even of others. And sin begets sin. Just as leprosy was infectious, sin begets sin. And only God could affect a cure for it. In the New Testament it says that Jesus healed the sick but he cleansed the leper. Something about leprosy that was separate from general sickness. Heal the sick but he cleansed the lepers. Now you must understand that before Jesus came and all those thousands of years in Old Testament history only three people were ever healed of leprosy. Moses himself, when God challenged him, Miriam, his sister, whenever she turned against Moses and she was struck with leprosy and Moses had to pray for her that she may be cleansed again. And of course, that wonderful, outstanding testimony of Naaman, the great Syrian general. But when Jesus came along, here in Luke 17, 10 lepers approached Jesus wanting to be cleansed. And it would seem like nine of them were Jews and one was a Samaritan. So at least the Jews generally have had no dealing with the Samaritans, but at least whenever they're all stricken with leprosy, all the animosities and the hostilities were laid aside because all of them were in the same boat. All of them were dying daily. And in verse 12, it says, and they stood afar off. Customarily, it would be about 100 paces. That was what was required. In the Old Testament, there was always a gulf between a holy God and a sinful man. The book of Leviticus, the key to the book of Leviticus is the word access. How can a sinful man access a holy God? And God prescribed all kinds of rituals and sacrifices and priests and intermediaries before he could accept sinful man into his presence. But thank God for Jesus. Amen. For when Jesus came, all of that priesthood and all the intermediaries, 
and all of the sacrifices and all of the uh, offerings and all of those things that were so important in the Old Testament so that man could approach a holy God. All of those were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ so that now man had direct access to a holy God through Jesus Christ. And this is why the writer of the Hebrews in 10.19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So no longer do we need to stand afar off from God that we can draw near through the blood of Jesus. He has made a way for us. He became the sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice for all men for all time. Glory to God. Verse 13, it says, They lifted up their voices. Uh, leprosy weakens the voice. It attacks the the larynx and the muscles and the throat. And at a hundred paces, they would have to really raise their voices in order to be heard. Whether it would be shouting unclean, unclean, or in this case, asking for mercy from the Lord Jesus. This showed that they were serious. This showed that they really meant what they said. They wanted to be heard. They needed to be heard. And when a man calls upon God, he must be serious about it. If he wants to be heard, he must be serious about it. Too many are half-hearted. Too many are careless in their approach and wonder that their hearts are not changed. Well, I, 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 I prayed that sinner's prayer one night, but nothing much happened. How serious were you? Did you lift up your voice? Did you really want to be heard? Because if you did, you would be heard. But there would be a change. In verse 13, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They knew that he could do it, but would he do it? They knew that he had the might, but would he have the mercy? They knew that he had the cure, but would he have the compassion? And last Sunday morning at this pulpit, that young Swedish evangelist, Jonas Anderson, very nicely quoted that scripture in Matthew 8, where that one leper came to Jesus, asking him, Lord, do you want to make me well? Do you want to? Are you willing, he said. Are you willing? And Jesus said, I will. I want to. I'm willing to do this. And so, thank God when it comes to the sins of men, if they come to the master, they must know that he is willing to cleanse them. He wants to. He desperately wants to. He paid an awful price that he might cleanse us from our sins. Verse 14, so when he saw them, this is more than just stating the obvious. I think what this is saying is when he saw the state they were in, when he saw the 
stigmatization, they saw the separation, the ostracizing, the isolation, being social outcasts, being the drags of society. And perhaps in that very moment, maybe he saw what they used to be or what they could have been except for this dread disease. Often if we walk down a main street somewhere, particularly in the city, and we see a beggar, we only see the outward form. We don't know that person as they used to be or as they could have been except for the difficulty they're facing because of what they're going through. So we look at that man or that woman and we do not see what they were or what they could be. But Jesus, when he looked at them, he saw what they used to be and he could see what they still could be. If only they were healed. If only they were cleansed. And he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now this was according to the law of Leviticus, chapter 13 and 14. Go show yourselves to the priests. If anyone suspected that they had contracted this disease, their first duty was to go to a priest to be examined. And then the priests would decide whether they had leprosy or whether they didn't. And so there would be an inspection made. And then there would be a ceremony and a ritual. And then they would be declared clean or unclean. If they were declared clean, they could go back to society. If they're declared unclean, then they have to cut themselves off from society and be colonized with other leprosy patients. And so this was for the announce whether they were clean or unclean. But also, Jesus knowing the law, that would be the first port of call. But also Jesus was testing their faith. He was testing their faith. Now, notice there was no physical touch here like the leper in Matthew 8. Where when Jesus says, I am willing, then he reached out and he touched him. There was no touch here. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, I think the test of faith came because at that moment, <laughs> at that moment, they couldn't see any change. If a leper had leprosy and he saw a change and he thought, I, th I think somehow this is improving or getting a little bit better, so I must go to the priest and get him to check it out. But they could see no change. There would be no natural reason for them to go to the priest because at that moment when Jesus said that, there was no change effected in their bodies. So if they do go, they can only go by faith, not by what they can see. We walk by faith, not by sight, don't we? So he was testing their faith. With Jesus, one size doesn't fit all. With one he touched, with these he sent. Sometimes he spoke, somebody was healed. Sometimes he spat on the ground, made a mud pie and put it in the man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. There was no one way. And often it was a test of the person's faith. And so they had to go by faith because there was nothing they could see right at that moment 
other than what he said. They could only go by what he said. And often in our lives, we can only go by what the word says. Because often there's nothing we can see that would make any difference. But if we go in faith, believing in what the word says, then a change can be affected. Verse 14, And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. In Matthew 8, the leper, the single leper, was healed, cleansed instantly. As soon as Jesus touched him, instantly, that would have been lovely to see, wouldn't it? Imagine a man standing, maybe with ears missing, parts deformed, fingers missing, couldn't walk, and in one second a touch, suddenly he was perfectly whole. Wouldn't that be something to see? But their healing was gradual. Not gradual in the sense that, you know, it was an ear, and then later on it was a toe, and then hours later it was a foot, and then maybe the next day it was something else. But it was gradual in the sense that as they went, I don't know how long it would take them to get from where they were to where the priest was. Would it be an hour? Would it be two hours? Would it be half a day? But it was as they went, then the cleansing began to take effect. Wonder what their thoughts were as they went along. Put yourself in that position. Here you are, you're a leper. Jesus said, go your soul yourselves to the priest. You're trusting. You know what he means by that. So you're trusting that something's going to happen. So what would you do? Would you not look at yourself? Would you not look at the others? Would you, would you not test your fingertips? Would you not fail to see if your ears were okay? Would you not look down at your bare feet with toes missing? What would you do? I think we'd do all of those things. We'd be looking. They'd be wanting to see something. I wonder how long it took before the first signs began to appear. I wonder how many paces they went before they could feel the numbness disappearing and life coming back to their limbs. Were they excited? Were they apprehensive? Were they full of joy? Were they quiet? <laughs> I wonder what happened when suddenly they could see with their own eyes that they were being cleansed. Did they jump up and down? <laughs> Did they dance before the Lord? Did they fall down on their knees? We don't know, do we? We just wonder at these things. This was a life-changing moment. This was the biggest thing to happen to their lives. This was a miracle, an out-and-out miracle. Keep believing with Margaret. Margaret testified last Sunday morning that her breathing had suddenly come back to normal, and it's been that way since that, and she's got to go back this week to see her consultant. 
We're believing that now that the God has started the miracle in our life, that he's going to continue. He's touched our lungs, no question of that. Now he needs to touch the head and the eyes and the various parts where this disease has struck. She's always believed for it. We all know that. But now it's beginning to happen. So thank God. Verse 15, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at his feet, giving him thanks. The blessing of being thankful. Giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now we can only assume that all ten of them went to the priest to have their miracle verified. They would certainly do that because they could not enter society again until they did that. It would have to be verified by a priest. And Jesus knew that. He knew the law. And he had no concerns whatsoever that by the time they would go to the priest, they would be verified as cleansed. And so all ten of them for sure went to the priest and for sure were verified that they were cleansed. But only one returned. Only one had the courtesy or the mind to do it, to return and to give thanks. And it says he cried with a loud voice. Now this time he wasn't a hundred paces away. He was right beside Jesus. In fact, he fell at his feet. So this time he's crying with a loud voice because he wants to, not because he needs to, because he wants to. He wants to glorify God. He wants to give thanks and he wants Jesus and anybody and everybody within earshot to hear, I've got a miracle. I'm healed. I'm cleansed. Jesus did this for me. And he fell down at his feet. He was thoughtful. He came back. He was thankful. He cried with a loud voice and glorified God. And he was deeply, deeply touched. He fell at his feet. And he gave him thanks. I wonder if only 10% of God's people gives them thanks. I wonder if I only give him 10% of my thanks that's due to him. It's so easy to be unthankful. It's not that we mean to be, but it's so easy to be unthankful. It's so easy to take things for granted. Yeah, you say, well, that was a mighty miracle. I mean, if that happened to me, sure would give God thanks. Well, the other nine didn't. So don't be so sure. But there's a multitude of things to thank God for. Every day we wake, we could thank God that we have awakened. We don't know why we wake up. Do you ever think when you go to bed at night, you're kind of semi, semi-conscious, aren't you? Well, some of these are practically unconscious. <laughs> Wish I could beat it, God, but I'm not. But in the morning, you wake up. 
Why? Silas struggled to know why did we wake up? There's something to be thankful for, isn't it? It says he was a Samaritan. The other nine were Jews. We assume they were Jews. Those who should have known, those who should have been thankful, those who were the custodians of God's word, those who were under the covenant of God. Surely they, of all people, not the Samaritan who was outside the covenant, this foreigner, Jesus said, surely of all people, they should have been the ones to come and give them thanks. God's people should be the most thankful people on earth. Really, really should be the most thankful people in the face of the earth. I think that maybe that's why God loves thankfulness, because it's rarer than we think. It's rarer than we think. And Jesus answered and said, Where are not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, just this one Samaritan that you Jews despise and hate? By the way, I'm not going in tonight of the reason why he gave this parable. Obviously, it was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. So there was, there was a reason why he gave this, but that's not the subject tonight. Where are the nine? Why did not the nine return? Even out of common courtesy. After all, they got the same miracle as the Samaritan. What possible excuses could they give for not returning thanks to Jesus? Oftentimes we do things and we get no thanks for it. And we complain. We said they're a thankless bunch. He's a thankless man, that. But then we should think of Jesus. Imagine how he thought. Nine people, lives totally changed. And not one of the nine had the decency or even the courtesy to come back and say, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. What possible excuses could there be? See, often, uh, often God saves and God heals and God blesses and God rescues and God restores and God blesses in wonderful ways. And then that's the last you see of them. <laughs> They're gone. God was just a 999 call, an emergency. The need has been met. Let's get on my life. I've seen so much of that in the past. And maybe, maybe one of the nine, maybe he went back to his business. Maybe at one time he had a business. Had to give it up. Couldn't continue. But now he's cleansed. So maybe he thought, do you know what? I had to give my business up. And business is not easy to do. Uh, and it really needs a kickstart again. And time's pressing on. I'm not getting any younger. So I think I'll just make a start today. Uh, and I'll get that business on the road today. <laughs> I haven't even time to go back an hour and thank the Lord Jesus. Maybe another returned to his wife and his children. After all, family time is very important. 
In fact, for some, it's even more important than going to the house of God too much. <laughs> How thankful are we for what God has done for us? And maybe another one decided, well, I'll go back and see me old mates. Uh, you know, I've, I've been out of the social loop for quite a while, and I miss the old friends. And uh, so maybe we'll, I'll get my mates and we'll go to a movie or we'll go and play bowls or we'll go somewhere else and do something, anything, anywhere, only the prayer meeting to give God thanks. <laughs> mm. Maybe the priest discovered, because I'm sure he asked, how they get cleansed, and they would say, well, it was that Jesus of Nazareth, the healer. Maybe the priest said, well, you know, you don't want to be too fanatical about these things. And after all, the religious crowd didn't like Jesus. And you don't want to get on the wrong side of the religious crowd. <laughs> so just cool your jets and just... Now that you're well, just don't go near that man again. There must have been some excuse. Well, maybe another thought, well, I appreciate what God has done for me. Uh, it's wonderful. But at my age, I'm still quite young. I've got a lot to live for. And surely God would not want me to give up all of my life to serve him. Hmm. Hmm. So whatever the excuses were, only one out of the ten come back to give thanks. Believe me when I say, and I'm not just thinking of people that has come through these doors over the years. I'm thinking of many that I've known in other places. Believe me when I say that over the years, so many has asked God for a blessing ask God to bless their career or their business and he promotes them and he prospers them and they pursue it at the expense of their spiritual lives. Many has asked God for a family. God give me a family and he's given them a family. Hmm. And then Sunday becomes family day and the house of God is vacant. Or another one says, Lord, if you prosper me, I will tithe. And he does, and they don't. Somebody says, Lord, I need a boyfriend, I need a girlfriend. Nothing wrong with that. And God answers that prayer. And they get so wrapped up in the individual that their spiritual lives begin to take a dip and a dive because that becomes the most important thing. And so for a multitude of reasons, people can miss God, even in the midst of blessing. And that's the saddest thing. God blesses and blesses and blesses, and they miss God in the midst of it, because the blessing becomes more than the blesser. The gift becomes more than the giver. But this man, someone, I don't know who it was, someone said, 
this thankful man lifted up his voice and he was helped. And he fell on his face before Jesus, for he was humble. Jesus was amazed that only one came back. We're not ten cleansed. We're not any found to give glory to God except this foreigner. See, every time we give thanks for something, we are giving glory to God. That's why it's good to be thankful, because each time you're thankful, you're giving glory to God. Not so long ago, I was sitting at home, Sally was out somewhere. I was on my own. I was in my room. I was in my study. And I was praying, and I was just reading some scriptures. I wasn't thinking about being thankful, but suddenly I began to recall some of the blessings that God had given in my life. And when I did that, I couldn't not be thankful. And I said, Lord, I thank you for what you have done for me and my family. I thank you for that. Lord, forgive me if I've been unthankful or even forgetful of those things. Maybe I thanked them at the time and then life goes on and you forget about it. But when it comes back to you, count your many blessings, count them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That really does, doesn't it? Every time you give thanks, you're giving glory to God because he is the ultimate provider, isn't he? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Paul had a grateful heart. He writes to the church in Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's a thankful heart, isn't it? In Colossians 3:17, he writes, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 5:18, he writes there, In everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And as we begin to wrap this up, it helps us. What does Thanksgiving do for us? It helps us to remember to honor God. God loves to be honored. He really does. And if we thank him, we are honoring him, we are glorifying him, we're placing him in his rightful place. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and praise his name. Sometimes we can through those doors, and I've been guilty of it like you, sometimes you can through those doors and you're grumbling and you're griping. It's been a rough week, or it's been a rough morning, or something's happened, the dog's bit you, or you had a puncture, but I don't know what has happened. And you trundle up those stairs, and you come through those doors, and you're like a bait and bear, as we say. It's hardly entering his gates with thanksgiving, is it? And entering his courts with praise. 
but that's what the psalmist says. Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Thinking and thanking comes from the same root. The more you think about God's blessing, the more liable you are to thank him for them. It's because we don't think about them, we forget to thank him. Being thankful opens up our hearts for even greater blessings. Paul again in Philippians 4 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Very important. Underline it in your Bible. Make it bold. With thanksgiving. Oftentimes in our prayer meeting on Thursday night before we do anything, we lift up our voice and thank God before we ask him for a single thing, before we make one request, we thank God for all of his goodness towards us. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not necessarily for everything, but in everything. There's always a reason to thank God, no matter how tough times are. <laughs> Remember the wee song, There's Never a Reason Strong Enough for Not Praising the Lord? Remember we used to sing that years and years ago? Hmm. Praise Him, you know that you should. Everything's working together for good. <laughs> and it truly is. In Acts 5, the apostles were forbidden, they were beaten and forbidden to speak in the name of Jesus. <laughs> well, they did it just the same. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, they praised God. And God sent that earthquake and delivered them. Their backs were bloodied and broken and scarred. They were hurting. They were in pain. But in spite of all of that, they glorified God. And God gave them a greater blessing. And allowed them to win that jailer to Christ. And the beginning of the church in Europe began right there in that Philippine jail. And so, let's be thankful, let's be grateful, let's have, as we always say, that attitude of gratitude to thank God for so many blessings that he has put in all of our lives. When you put your head in the pillow tonight before you go to sleep, just begin to think of some of the ways God has blessed you. Maybe you'll not go to sleep. Maybe it'll keep you awake all night. Just thinking of how God has blessed you. And you will be surprised because things that you've long since forgotten about will come back to your mind and you can say, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for that blessing. Thank you for that person. Thank you, Lord, for that encouragement. Thank you, Lord, for that touch I got. Thank you, Lord, for that breakthrough. Whatever it may be, thank you, Lord. And the more you thank him, the more he'll be glorified in your life.
Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful people tonight. There's much that we can be thankful for. But above all things, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gift of life through him. So, Lord, tonight we're saved, we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, that's enough to be thankful for for all eternity. But, Lord, you've done so many things for some of us over so many years. How can we not be thankful for all of your blessings? Thank you for our homes, for our families, for our loved ones, for the measure of health that we have, for our jobs, for our strength, for our children. Lord, there's just so much to thank you for. And we do indeed give you thanks and praise tonight. So, Lord, send us out these doors tonight with a thankful heart, with a grateful heart, with praise upon our lips for all that you've done for us. And we'll give you the honor and we'll give you the glory and we'll be careful to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.